Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, I'm Matt Wilstein, and this is The Last Laugh, and I am coming to you from Crooked Media headquarters in Los Angeles, where I'm joined by John Lovett. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for doing this, John. Thanks for having me. Um, you were on one of our earliest episodes of The Last Laugh, and I... Uh, so first of all, thank you for that. Of course. Um, and wanted to, part of the reason why I wanted to get you back on the show is because you guys have a big uh, live show at the Greek Theater coming up uh, August 17th. Is that right? August 17th at the Greek, we're doing a big benefit for voting rights and voter protection efforts. It's going to be a great show. Yeah, it's, this seems like it, it. Is this your biggest live event yet in some ways? I mean, it seems like a, on the scale with live music and comedy and all that. Yeah, we're going to have. Uh, yes, I would say it is. It's definitely the biggest show we've done, certainly the biggest show in L.A. Um, and uh, you know, people got to turn out. Yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> you have. Uh, so you have Best Coast, mm-hmm. uh, Jim James yep. from My Morning Jacket. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else is and Amanda Seals, right? Amanda Seals, the comedian. Com- Amanda Seals, the comedian. There's also. Uh, I don't. I'm not gonna break it here. You're not. Are you sure? I don't <laughs> think I'm supposed to break it here. If I can break it here, I will record it and you can insert it. <laughs> but there's gonna be some other guests that you won't want to miss at the Greek. Yeah. So how did this idea come together to do a, a benefit concert in, in a sense? You know, I think the way we've been thinking about it is. Crooked Media, you know, we started to we started with Pod Save America, Love or Leave It, Pod Save the World. We built out this network with a diverse group of hosts that have that make shows that are trying to entertain people, try to inform people, but also direct people toward ways that they can get involved. I think that was pretty clear what people needed to do in the run up to the 2018 election. But I think for a lot of people right now, there's this feeling that we have this 2020 Senate, the 2020 House races, the 2020 Senate races, the 2020 presidential, obviously. It's incredibly important, but people want to know what they can do right now. So we've launched a bunch of different funds to raise money for uh, to fight in um, state races and legislative races. So we have a, a uh, um, something called the, I'm going to say it, you can bleep it because I don't know what the <laughs> rules are. No rules. Uh, uh, the Fuck Gerrymandering Fund, um, and that's targeting some key races in Virginia around state legislative races because that's not only where a bunch of policy is made, it's also where district lines will be drawn after the census, which we finally will get to have without a dumb citizenship question, Mm -hmm. dumb racist citizenship question. But we also wanted to give people a chance to participate right now. So we thought a big kind of benefit for protecting voters and building the infrastructure, helping these organizations get the resources they need to build the infrastructure they need to uh, help get people registered, help uh, make sure that every vote is counted and everybody gets a chance to participate was a good thing we could do right now because it's a long slog. And, you know, look, as we're recording this, Donald Trump uh, spent the weekend telling 
American citizens to go back to where they came come from because uh, the only real citizens in his mind are white. And we've seen a bunch of Republicans capitulate to that. And it's heartbreaking and it's hard when Democrats only control the House when it feels like every day is some new assault, new insult, new terrible policy, new new evil uh, uh, family separation uh, on the southern border. And so, you know, it's important that we not uh, lose focus on what we can do in the long run, but also what we can do right now. So we want to just have a chance for everybody to get together and participate and uh, support uh, some good causes to help protect our democracy. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Trump's uh, racist tweet from over the weekend and then continued uh, doubling down today uh, because it's all anyone is talking about on we're recording on Monday. Um, but I do wonder whether this is something that like everything else is going to kind of fade away over the next few days or does it does it feel different? I feel like, you know, it's like the, we've had this conversation. You've had this conversation before with so many things. Yeah. But but what do you what are you thinking you know about it right now? So this does feel like a special instance. It's not a surprise when Trump says something racist. It's not a surprise when he says something horrible, uh, when he attacks people. I mean, you know, in Donald Trump's mind, there's no sin like not being white and no sin like not being for him. And when you combine them both, you might as well leave America. That's how he views it. <laughs> and yeah. it's awful. It, it fits in the kind of pantheon of Trump's worst comments, whether it's Charlottesville, whether it's what he said about uh, Judge Curiel, it also fits into the pattern of his worst worst actions: the Muslim ban, uh, family separation along the border, the uh, um, despicable treatment of people seeking asylum that we see right now. So, it's hard. It's hard because on the one hand, you say, uh, you know, this is once again everyone talking about something Donald Trump said. This is Donald Trump taking the microphone. On the other hand, it's really important that you denounce the president when he says something so fundamentally racist and un-American. And it's also important to point out why certain Republicans, most Republicans, aren't willing to say a thing. That we've seen, I, I, at last I checked, it could have changed in the last hour, but I mm. doubt it did. Yeah. Uh, one Republican member of Congress willing to call it racist. Yeah, Will uh, Hurd. Uh, yeah. maybe, so maybe now it's up to oh. two, because uh, I wasn't counting Will Hurd, there was another member. But, but on the whole, the vast majority remaining silent, most issuing really mealy mouth statements saying things like, I don't agree with what Ilan Omar and, and AOC stand for. Yeah, they're, and yet, they're prefacing with that every prefacing time. Prefacing with that, which is just, it's awful. It's, it's, it fails to appreciate the scale of what Donald Trump is doing. You know, you want to take this as a moment to criticize four members of Congress. He just said four citizens don't belong here. He just said, basically, if you're, whether you're born here, whether you uh, became a citizen here, if, if you're a person of color, you should just feel grateful. You're a guest. And that's what he thinks. That's what he means. That's what he's signaling to his base. That's what he's encouraging amongst his supporters. I have no doubt that there will be many more. Now, he's encouraging a whole bunch of people to shout at people of color they see on the street, go back to where you came from, you know, an, a, an attack a lot of people are pretty familiar with already. So it's incredibly heartbreaking. You have to call it out and you have to hope that House Democrats, who I believe will do this, will do more than just criticize it in tweets, but will take action, whether it's through censure or resolution, uh, to... Um, you know, do more than just to do more than just let this one go by. And of course, it all points to the fact that, you know, we have limited tools at our disposal. But one of them is not just resolutions, not just censure, but impeachment to kind of make a list of the impeachable offenses of Donald Trump, which include his corruption, which include uh, obstruction of justice, uh, which is include his 
you know, fundamental disregard and unfitness for the office, and I think also should include his fundamental lack of appreciation for basic American values, that we can make a case against this president that's bigger than just what's in the Mueller report. Yeah, uh, and if there's any good in all of this, it does seem to have erased the uh, the divide between uh, the four uh, congresswomen and, and Nancy Pelosi in some ways. Do you think that's a positive that, to come out of it? It certainly puts it into context of what we're up against. Uh, you know, there is a real difference inside the Democratic caucus about uh, how to fight, where to fight, when to fight. There are legitimate grievances. Um, there are legitimate differences. And I think that those are important and worth getting to the bottom of. Do I think it's helpful for it to be done on Twitter? No. Do I think the personal attacks are counterproductive? Absolutely. But I think what we're seeing is a lot of tension around uh, where and how Democrats need to fight. And there is an enthusiastic, mobilized, younger, engaged group of Democrats, in many ways represented by this new generation of members who are looking for more of a fight. And fundamentally, that is where the tension is. And that's a tension. that's attention. We shouldn't ignore it. We shouldn't ignore it because it's not going anywhere. It's 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 central to the question of how we not only uh, use our power in Congress against Trump, but also also ultimately defeat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it also puts the differences between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden in perspective. I would say, as well. Um, do you? How do you think it it will maybe make people think differently about about that debate? I'll be honest. I had not yet. Given, you know, this is yeah, Monday, the yeah. tweets are from yesterday. I had not yet gone mm-hmm. on that, uh, you know, well, the, the this, rock yeah. had not skipped that far <laughs> down the stream for me. Yeah. Um, well, we were speaking sort of between the, the first set of debates and the second one. Um, what did you, uh, how do you think uh, MSNBC did in that, that first uh, round, just from sort of a media uh, perspective and, and how, how media organizations are handling this stuff? I mean, I think they did fine. I think they did fine. I think Savannah is an incredible debate moderator. I thought mostly everyone did well. I did have a problem with a few of Chuck's one-off questions. I think mm-hmm. they like kind of raise your hand. Uh, I don't like. Stuff. I don't like raise your hand. Yeah, so CNN stuff. said they're not going to do any of that. Uh, which I, I also saw some people upset that they were ruling it out. Um, but uh, I think that's probably for the best. Don't get upset. <laughs> don't worry about it. I, I would say this. Like I had a problem with. Chuck asking questions like around climate mitigation. So you're asking a question about climate mitigation when we have a president that denies the existence of climate change. You're asking about gun confiscation when we can't get basic background checks through Congress. So mm-hmm. I understand the impulse to try to get these mem- these these candidates on record when one of the dynamics inside of the race is how far left will they go. But it also, to me, felt like a disservice it also, to me, felt like a disservice to the debate because, okay, we're going to have an argument about all these hypothetical, uh, virtually impossible policies to implement when we have real emer- we have a real emergency right now, and we have a real um, debate right now. I'm sorry, we have a real we have a president who denies the existence of climate change. You want to talk about climate change mitigation? So, but hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But what I was getting to, to be um, long-winded, what I was getting to was if a, if, a, if, a, if a moderator asks a question like that in a debate and you don't like it, I, I wouldn't mind some of the candidates saying, Argue against the question. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to yeah. take every question on face value. Like, I don't want any, I, we don't want to have a Trump on our side. We don't want to have that energy mm -hmm. <laughs> at all. Yeah. But there's something to be said for when a whole bunch of people who are ultimately on the same team are asked a question meant to divide them and made to make it, meant, made, made to get them to fight amongst themselves over an issue that is likely not to play a big role in what the next president does or doesn't do. Uh, someone can call the game out. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to I'm not going to raise my hand, Chuck. These are really important questions. I'm not going to participate in that. Yeah. Or you want to talk about climate mitigation. The president denies the existence of climate change itself. That's mm -hmm. the problem. That's what we should be talking about. There are ways, I think, if you're not happy with a question asked as a viewer, just know that, you know, one of the things we're looking for in a candidate is someone who is going to win on the terms the media currently sets. Mm -hmm. So why isn't uh, crooked media moderating any of these uh, Democratic debates? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question. We should do something. I mean, why not? You know, if, if uh, MSNBC can and CNN can, it, you know. They can't. Why not us? <laughs> why not us, Matt? Well, I'm kind of being serious. I mean, you, you guys have a lot of, uh, you've interviewed, you know, most of the candidates mm -hmm. at this point. You have mm -hmm. a lot of sway in this in this world. And especially, you know, looking at, you know, I think if it was a general election debate, maybe not, but a Democratic debate, uh, why not? I think it's a good question. I think we, we, just to take it seriously, I think we think about, like, what is the best value we have for people. And I think maybe it's to actually <laughs> moderate a conversation mm -hmm. between the candidates. But I think what we help people do is break down what they're hearing from these candidates as kind of a conversation around the process. And I think we do that by talking to candidates one on one. Uh, we do that by talking to each other. Um, I don't know. I, you know, it's a great question. Will one day Crooked Media host a presidential debate? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ruling it out. That's good. Um, are you uh, excited for more Marianne Williamson? This might be her last stand. Her last stand. Um, look, she is going to go into this debate having learned that, girlfriend, you are so on, has <laughs> propelled her. So I expect to hear some truly truly wild quotes from Marion Williamson, and I, for one, am looking forward to it. My question is, do you think... My question is, do you think the third debate will have two nights or one night? How do they decide if we get to the third debate and we finally get to winnow, whether it's one night or two nights? Well, I'm hearing that Andrew Yang is, like, on the verge of making the third debate. So, I mean, if wow. that's true, I, I don't know how they're going to get it down, how they're going to get that number down enough. But they are going to have a live draw for the uh, for the second one. I think this this might actually come out right after that that live draw. So right, like bingo. So we can speculate about who will who will be facing off against each other. But but that should be fascinating as well. Um, is there anything else you'd like to see in this next uh, debate? Um, anything else you're excited for? 
No. <laughs> no, I, look, like to skip over it and get to the <laughs> September one. You know, I'd like to see. I think. I think I'd like to see Elizabeth Warren on stage with some of the other frontrunners. Mm-hmm. I think she is. I'd like to see that. Um, yeah, this dynamic of we don't know who's going to be on the stage with who really changes. You really can't. Re- you can't know what to expect until you find out how those groups have broken out. Um, obviously, Kamala and Biden going at it uh, captivated in the second debate and made became what the second debate was about. The first night, I think, was about Elizabeth Warren sort of having a moment to st- sort of stand on her own. Uh, we'll see what happens when some of these candidates get on the stage together. Who goes after who? You know, I don't know, Matt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I uh, I'm, I don't want to rule him out uh, for the nomination yet, but uh, I think Mayor Pete would be a, a great VP pick just so that we can see him debate Mike Pence. I think that would be very exciting. Um, if you if you were to moderate that debate, what would you want to ask uh, the two of them? <laughs> what would I want to ask Mike Pence and Pete Buttigieg? Very different questions. <laughs> uh, I would. I mean, I have a bunch of quite nice questions from Mayor Pete to Mike Pence. I would want to say, how do you kill the part of yourself that experiences shame? <laughs> how do you stand in front of groups of men? Uh, who have been who have who who are saying that they've been uh, in close proximity for days, who aren't being taken care of, who don't have a place to sleep, uh, in a room that smells, while making that, doing that same fucking Ronald Reagan impression you've been doing since you first started writing op-eds about how Mulan is everything that's wrong with America. <laughs> um, Mike Pence versus Pete Buttigieg. Wow. Hadn't thought about that till now. You are introducing a lot of things for me to think about for the very, very first time. (laughs) Hoosier versus Hoosier. Yeah, it would really be something. I think just just for that that alone, he should get the the VP spot. They're both such serious men. Yeah. You know? Um, So in addition to the Greek theater show, you Mm -hmm. also have a big uh, Radio City show coming up in September. Yes. So Positive America is at the Greek on August 17th. Love It or Leave It is at Radio City Music Hall. September 13th. Holy cow. Is this the first? You've done Radio City. You've played R- Radio City Music Hall before, right? Of course, of course I have, Matt. But this is your first solo gig at, at Radio City. It is. Um, it is. I know you mentioned on one of your, your live shows that there were some people that you reached out to who, who said no. Do you want to take this opportunity to reveal who any of those no, people No, I'm not going to say who said no. We, we're going to have the, the Love It or Leave It at Radio City. So first of all, it is so crazy Yeah. that Love It or Leave It. Is going to be at Radio City Music Hall. Did you? What was? Have you seen some big acts at Radio City in your in your day growing up? Maybe a uh, uh, little thing called the Nutcracker. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> I think that maybe the, uh, the the Rockettes maybe the Rockettes. Well, it, the, the Christmas Spectacular. Yeah, yeah, I've been to the Christmas Spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is obviously my frame of reference mm-hmm. for Radio City. Uh, so you're working on getting those Rockettes out there. Or, so uh, here's the thing. <laughs> I will say only this: uh, it is a podcast, and so what is the difference to those living at listening at home? between the Rockettes and a very talented Foley artist recreating the sound of the Rockettes. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. Yeah, that's a good point. It's pretty wild. <laughs> you know, you start, a, you start a podcast, you don't know how it's going to go, and all of a sudden, Radio City. Yeah. As a, as a New Yorker, that to me is still the craziest thing. Yeah. Um, so I know you often end your shows uh, by talking about Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. So sure. first of all, are you caught up? Oh, you bet I am. And you bet I am. What did you think of that last moment, that Meryl smirk at the very end? Did you catch that? Uh, listen, <laughs> here's the thing. Meryl Streep turning in a 
phenomenal performance over every single episode of Big Little Lies. Our society needs a Meryl Streep character who goes from person to person telling them that their deepest fears and inadequacies are quite real. Uh, <laughs> that, to me, is fascinating. Um, I also love this season. It went from, like, the last... I, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in on Big Little Lies on basically everything except introducing a... a a character who puts chicken bones next to the daughter's bed. It's its a lot. It's not, I don't, it's outside of this show's vibe. I find it wild. But the first season was had this sort of like ethereal tone to it. Now we're just in like a, a drama. And I like that they've set up for the final episode of the season, the most Ally McBeal ending <laughs> humanly possible, where Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep are going to go head-to-head in a courtroom in front of the mother from Girls. It's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> I am in. It is silly. Laura Dern has gone full comedic. Her life is falling apart in the funniest way possible. Yeah, she cannot handle that metal detector. <laughs> she is. Every time you see Laura, like, Laura Dern, comedian, crushing it. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Big Little Lies. This is the so anyway. The, I'm paid by Big Little Lies. Yeah. I'm paid. To they're a sponsor. That. They're a sponsor. Yeah. Hopefully, they're supporting yeah, everything you guys do here at Crooked Media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, so we, we we normally end the show, my show, by asking uh, what what's the last thing that made you laugh really hard. Uh, is there anything that's that's kind of making you laugh uh, right now these days that you've seen? Well, obviously, it is. Besides Laura Dern. Laura Dern on <laughs> yeah. Big Little Lies. I literally just laughing out loud at the absurdity of that character. I, this is a spoiler. But when, but when the French au pair <laughs> says in a bankruptcy hearing that she fucked her husband, that is the lowest I've seen a character taken. <laughs> she was. They, think about what they've done in this season of Big Little Lies. When they start, we see her for the first time this season. She is being photographed for women in power for the cover of a magazine. And the most recent episode, she finds out her husband has been sleeping with the au pair because in bankruptcy court, she asked for the money she was promised (laughs) from the kind of probate guy. That is a descent into madness I can get behind. And Laura Dern, Marion Williamson roommate. Oh, yeah. Making it making it happen. How about that biopic? Think we can get that together? Maybe you uh, guys can get behind that. I would like to see the <laughs> Laura Dern, Marion Williamson solving crimes. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it. I think we can make it happen. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, thanks, John. This thanks, Matt. Fun. All right. What a blast. All right. That was my check-in with John Lovett. Thanks again to Crooked Media for letting us record this extra episode at their studio. You can get tickets to the Pod Save America live show at the Greek Theater, as well as the Love It or Leave It that's happening at Radio City Music Hall this fall at crooked.com slash events. We will be back on Tuesday with a brand new full-length episode, so hope to see you then. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.